to go to John chapter 15. How many of you are gardeners? You ordered your seed yet? Want to be gardeners? There you go. Jesus makes this comment I'm the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me, He prunes every branch that bears fruit so that it'll bear more. I want to play for you a YouTube video of a guy that keeps a vineyard in. He's a gardener, and he trims up vines. And just be aware of the links of what this illustration would entail. Because I, I don't think, well, maybe someone here grows vines, but I don't know anyone that does, put it that way. So let's watch that. Pruning is a major wintertime activity for us. That's what we spend about four to four and a half, five months of the year doing, starting usually about mid-November. All pruning happens during the winter because that's the time of year that the vines go dormant. So first of all, there's no leaves on the vines, there's no sap flowing through the vines. So pruning is all about fine vigor and crop size. You need to leave enough wood out there, enough buds, that you have evenly vigorous vine across the field, but you don't want to leave so much wood out there that there's a crop that the vine can't uh, ripen. So it's all about finding that perfect balance uh, the only way to really accomplish that is to spend time year after year farming the same field. We're really lucky in this field. We've been farming up here since the 40s. So we have a good idea of what we expect and what we can expect, how many buds we need to leave out there in order to accomplish that crop load. So you can see all the wood behind me that's long, you know, two and a half, three foot canes. We're going to take those down to two bud spurs. Each one of those buds should have two clusters. One shoot, two clusters in each bud. I always say it takes about one guy per 12 to 15 acres to, to prune and manipulate and handle your vineyards through the course of the year. In this activity, pruning, it has to be done by hand. You can pre-prune with the machine, but when you get down to the specifics of how many spurs you're leaving and how long the shoots are, there's no machine right now that can get into a field and analyze every position. So pruning like winemaking has a lot of um, science behind it, but also is a complete art. Every vine is different. Every vine requires thought about what we're trying to achieve. If the vine is very weak and the shoots that are existing from the previous year are short, everyone in our crew knows you need to leave less buds out there to establish a balanced vine. If you have a vine where the shoots are really, really long, that vine's very vigorous. It needs more buds. It needs more wood out there to balance that crop load and that vine vigor. So you can affect when the vines start to break buds and start to push, um, I'd say a week to two weeks maximum by the timing of your pruning. So something that is pruned early in the season will break buds maybe seven, 10 days earlier than something that's pruned towards the end of the season. So there is an opportunity to affect bud break but it is very limited and you can't manipulate that too much. If a vineyard is not pruned at all, it's still going to come back to life in the spring. It's still gonna push buds. But what we're trying to do is affect when that happens just a little bit, just to try to give us a little more opportunity to not have a frost incident. When we're pruning for Jordan, for what Rob is looking for with his Cabernet program, we're definitely keeping in mind who we're pruning for, what we're trying to accomplish, 
and that Rob is going to be tasting every tank load that we bring in, every, every gondola that we dump, he's going to be tasting and going through. So what we're trying to achieve with Rob is that balance, balance across the entire field. So on this field, there are a couple low areas in the field that tend to be a little more vigorous, and we put extra canes out there. These are called kicker canes or sucker canes, but it's something that we're going to take off right around Verasion. And the whole point of this is to suck up a little bit of that energy, get rid of a little bit of that excess vigor, to have those grapes that are in that part of the field match the grapes that are grown on the top of the knoll and top of the hill where it's very easy to balance that vine. So we're definitely thinking about who we're pruning for when we're pruning in all of our fields and what the end result is gonna be. Okay. What did you hear that might be similar to our relationship with God? Anyone? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Purpose of balance. They know the field very well. Every every vine or every branch is unique. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah. So the gardener has a very specific plan for each plant, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there's an end goal. Timing matters. Yeah. And the more they know the field, the better the product. And it, it reflects on the gardener, right? Yeah. So that, you know, for us who aren't gardeners, <laughs> but going into an illustration like this, suddenly this starts to pop, doesn't it? When we think about our relationship with the Lord, um, you know, the Father is the gardener. says, he takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so that it will bear more fruit. And it goes on, you are clean already. And, and part of that idea is that like snipping off all the extras would be uh, in there, like cleaning the vine, getting it ready for, for production, so to speak. Um, remain in me and I remain in you just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine so neither can you unless you remain in me so there's that declaration that for you to have a productive life in what the Lord has designed you've got to stay plugged in right okay I'm the vine you are the branches the one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown out like a branch and dries up, and such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire. So again, there's this process of walking through saying, it's critical to stay plugged in. Then, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is honored by this, that you bear much fruit, and show that you are my disciples. Now, 
this whole asking and receiving, in this context, the, the gardener has already set the parameters, right? He's constantly pruning and changing and, and developing. But at the same time, there's a, a good response when it, it's fulfilling to the gardener to see a fruitful life. And in this, we, we dabbled just a bit last week when we were looking at that Psalm 118. Please, Lord, deliver. Please, Lord, grant us success. And we're going, well, how much say do we have in this? How much voice do we have? And there's a dimension where Jesus is saying, even the very desires that you have, when they're plugged into the vine in an appropriate fashion, those desires are going to be things that, that bear fruit. Those are, those are opportunities for, it's like God has made each of us with a different thought process and different things in mind. And there's opportunity when we're, when we're living the way that we're designed to live for God to be able to say, I'm happy you have those thoughts. I'm happy that you want those things. Now, James warns about asking amiss, right? But that's not the, I mean, that's like a, a warning, but it's not the soul, you know, and you better not ask anything of your, you know, you better not ask for anything. No, that's not at all what it's saying. It's saying, ask of the Lord. And so there's this idea that even the very mind that he's given you and the shape that he's put your life into and where he's put you, puts you in a position where there are times you say, I really would like to accomplish this. And he's going, yeah, I'd like to see you accomplish that. And each of us has different things that that, that would come out as. Now, if it's after just our own purposes, um, that's, I mean, that vine, uh, uh, you know, going back to the illustration, those grapevines, they can't be asking, I'd like to produce apples and oranges this year. Just doesn't work, right? The parameters are already set. But there is an opportunity to be fruitful within those parameters. And in here, we're said, in a sense, we're being told God's designed you in such a way that he enjoys you even asking and, and chasing some things and desiring certain things. And so if we're willing to let him prune our life or we're willing to stay in him, remain in him, then there's opportunity for life to also flourish in ways that maybe we didn't really anticipate. But we've dreamed it. And so there's an opportunity to ask and say, is this your dream? And you, you know, can we, can I chase this, so to speak? It's, uh, I know it's a fine line. And I know that we just don't go chasing our own selfish wants. But the whole passage here has been talking about being plugged in and remaining in him. And as we're walking with him, then it says there's this window that opens up life in a, in a wondrous way. Ask and receive.
Incredible idea. Just as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Remain in my love. So again, the remain was in the beginning and the remain is after that. But there's these windows, so to speak, where he's saying, there's some, there's some opportunity for you to explore. There's some opportunity for you to truly be involved in this process. It's not just uh, the machine that does whatever, but it's, you know, even when these guys do the pruning, they're not absolutely certain how many grapes there's going to be. They're not, you know, it's almost as if the Lord is saying, I, I, I give you this window to, to explore. And I, yeah, I don't want to chase that. I don't believe that he doesn't know where it's going. I, I do believe that he knows even the decisions we're going to make. But I think he's already prepared for it. That's my opinion. Okay, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. It's interesting to me, this linking of obedience with love and, and how tight that is. And I was thinking on this this week going, one of the expressions of love in the Lord is to be obedient to him. One of my expressions, in your expression of actual love for God, is obedience. Now let's put that in a family setting. How important is it that your kids learn to be obedient? How important is obedience as a, pre, as a part of life? You know, it's, it's a critical component according to this scripture. And, and so when we're, when we're talking about exploring and freedom and all of this, yeah, it's, that's important. But if you fail to train obedience into your family, you've missed a window of them learning how to interact with the Lord. And so it's a, that would be a very dangerous place to be, right? Now, you know, there's obviously many ways to incorporate the understanding of obedience and how that goes. But it's something that we can't just ignore or it's not something we say, I just don't want to deal with that. That's kind of, you know, I just, I just you know, we want to be friends. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> but Jesus is walking through this same thing and he's going to say, I call you friends, but he's also calling us to obedience at the same time. And so it can function together. I've told you these things that my joy may be complete and your joy may be complete. So again, he's even linking this walk of obedience and this training in obedience as a thing that also is, a, is connected with joy. And again, that's kind of counterculture to what we're being told, but it's still something the scripture holds and we have this choice. You're going to believe the scripture or you're going to believe what your culture is telling you. And it's these critical moments where we have to decide, is this faith something really I'm going to remain plugged in, so to speak? My commandment is this, to love one another just as I have loved you. So this is one of the declarations that he wants obedience done. He says, I want you loving other people. No one has greater love than this than the one who lays down his life for his friends. And so he's giving another illustration in this moment saying, I'm dying for you. That's his, 
that's as into this as I am. If you're my friends, you will do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not understand what its master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've revealed to you everything I heard from my, my father. So again, he is tying obedience to friendship. But he's also saying, but I'm revealing what I'm doing. So that's, that's the difference. I'm not just making a command where you march and you have no idea why or where it's going. But he's saying, I, I open it up and I, I give you understanding into why this is, you're being called to this. He says, that's, that's how friends interact. You did not chose me, but I chose you, appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that remains, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. This is a command to you to love one another. So he kind of pulls it all back together again. And we get these major concepts of you know, the gardener who's, who is actually pruning and, and adjusting our lives so that we can be the most productive possible with how he's enabled us. And then we are being called into obedience as a part of our walk with the Lord in friendship. <laughs> Not in servitude, but in friendship is his declaration. So again, these are amazing things. I, I watched this. You know, I was looking for a video going, you know, if I can get even a halfway decent illustration... <laughs> And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm going, oh, oh, oh. It's just like, this guy is, I have no clue whether he's ever read the scripture or not. But it sure fit for the passage. You know? And you're going, okay, I get it. And I appreciate that the Lord is investing personally in each one of us. That it's not just a blanket thing it's not the machine going through the field, but it's examining each one and saying, okay, I think this is best for this year. I think it'll be best if we leave this part here. You know, and, and to, to know that God cares individually over our lives, what a powerful, wondrous thing. And even though, you know, <laughs> you know to, to have things pruned out of our lives at times, we're going... I, I had plans for that, you know, and I, I wanted that, but, you know, he's going, there's a better path here. And then even, you know, in that moment, you know, to say, this is going to go somewhere awesome. Ask me, and, and let's, let's just see what, what could transpire. Anyway, wondrous passage. Thank you, Lord, for your word that speaks life to us. Thank you for your care and your investment in us and your willingness to allow us to flourish and grow and produce that it actually brings honor to you. Amen. I just encourage you in the Lord to acknowledge that his hand is personally involved in your life and that he has good intent. It's to his glory that you bear much fruit. So with that optimism, we can walk out the door and say, God, I'm ready. Let's take it on. So I want to pray his blessing upon you. What remains is open-ended.
May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it truly means to remain in you, to be plugged in, to have your life coursing through them. Thank you that you watch over us. Now, as each one goes into the community, I ask that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.